This is Unfilter, episode 56, for June 26, 2013. Do you think you've had some bad vacations? It was as if the world press were Edward Snowden's travel agent. Is he going to go to Cuba? Is he going to go to Venezuela? If he goes to an independent third country like Iceland... No report yet he's going to North Korea. I haven't heard that yet. Only one not on the list yet. I wouldn't rule anything out. No wonder they needed maps... He planned to fly to Cuba on his way to seek asylum in Ecuador. And will actually fly over the United States. Where in the world is Edward Snowden? Coming up. On this week's episode of Unfiltered, warrantless dragnet surveillance of the internet expands beyond the U.S. This week, it was revealed Britain's spy agency, the GCHQ, has secretly gained access to the network cables that carry the world's phone calls and internet traffic, which it has admitted to sharing with the NSA, effectively creating a worldwide police state. Edward Snowden dominates the mainstream headlines as he makes his escape from Hong Kong. We'll reflect on the continued character assassination and arm you with critical thinking that you'll need to form your own opinions on his motivations. Plus the troubling death of Michael Hastings, your feedback, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Coming to you live from the Jupiter Broadcasting Late Breaking News and Edward Snowden Tracking Center. My name is Chase Nunes, and welcome again to another edition of Unfiltered. This is a show that you really should be listening to. And joining us, as always, Chris Fisher. Yo there, Mr. Chase. I'm glad you're able to make us. I know you were busy with your buddies, Ed and Vlad, earlier this week. <laughs> well, you know, I am, uh, as a good friend of mine in the industry says... I am a unrestricted <laughs> free agent. <laughs> well, I know you had some time on your hands, and you were traveling to Russia, specifically Moscow recently. Well, I was. I was doing yeah. some uh, reporting for Jupiter Broadcasting News. That's a new unit that right. is being launched right. very it's soon. Brand new. Uh, brand new. In partnership with Al Gore. That's right. Al Gore's uh, <laughs> Al Jazeera network. Isn't yeah. that right? <laughs> <laughs> we got this is our hangover show. So the last this is this is maybe a, a third episode in what is going to be a set on uh, these uh, NSA revelations of uh, the Edward uh, Snowden uh, well, run and uh, you were you were saying in our supporter show that right now what is going on here is the uh the, the whitewater uh, or the, I'm sorry the yeah uh, uh, Watergate the Watergate of our time. Yeah, it is this is uh one of the biggest stories of our life, I think. Yeah. Um and it's it's hard to make that determination when you're in the thick of it, especially now with the state of the media and how the discourse hasn't really been around the actual substance of the NSA revelations but actually around the messenger yeah. uh, Snowden. And we're going to get to that. We're going to discuss that today because I think we are being robbed of a very important dialogue there. Because I think people are failing to recognize the, the uh, scope of this, but I think after today's episode will help demonstrate that. But it's also, you know, the impact that our modern media has, the mainstream modern media, where they're really trying to divert and steer the news in a specific way yeah. to try to get you, and when I mean you, not you, Chris, but the oh, people me. out there, <laughs> to think in a specific way and manner. Right. And the way that they're delivering it is just remarkable and how things are spun in yeah. so many different ways. Yeah, yeah. 
it's in, it's incredible to think about. Dutch will be our topic, one of our topics tonight, Mr. Chase. Uh-huh. Uh, I I think I wanted to start, and this is a very as far as the show thing goes. We've had we've had a lot of new people pick up our show because of uh, what's of going prism? on. Uh, because of all the prism stuff and the Snowden stuff. Are you talking about search engine optimization? Well, I, and just people who have, have who knew about the show but hadn't really tried it out before. And so I thought what we'd do is scare all back. of them. Okay. We'd scare all of them by frying a little bacon right up front. Now, wait a minute, Chris. People were saying earlier that we're just frying too much bacon, that we're I know. going too far-fetched here. Well, we'll see. I'll see what you say. But I will say this, that this beautiful batch of bacon yeah. comes to us direct oh. from... Mail order bacon. Clovis, New Mexico. <laughs> Okay, I thought you were going to say uh, Moscow. So the the uh, the story around Michael Hastings, yeah. the uh, journalist who uh, died last Tuesday, and uh, we didn't even actually slot it into last week's show because at the time, I didn't really find anything of particular interest. It just seemed like a high-speed car crash. It was a tragic, tragic accident. Or However, so they want you. So they want us to believe. And some new questions have come out. I want to play those, and All then right. we'll discuss this, because I, the reason why we're starting with this tonight is I believe there is a concerted effort against um, the, the role that journalists play in leaks and things of that such. And so I think the, 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 the condition that real journalists find themselves in right now will play will be an important background piece to today's overall overarching topic. So let's start with the new questions in Hastings' death. Chilling new questions today about the death of award-winning journalist he Michael Hastings. Hastings, who was best known for a critical Rolling Stone article that led to the resignation of General Stanley McChrystal, was killed in a fiery car crash early last week. But now we're learning that just hours before the crash, Hastings sent a panicked email to colleagues. Well, you decide whether it's panicked. Saying that the FBI was investigating him. It read, quote, Hey, the feds are interviewing my close friends and associates. Perhaps if the authorities arrive at BuzzFeed headquarters may be wise to immediately request legal counsel before any conversations or interviews about our news gathering practices or related journalism issues. Also, I'm on to a big story and need to go off the radar for a bit. Wow, right? This is an email he sent a little bit before he died. Yeah, didn't he blind carp, uh, copy some friends as yeah, well? Yeah, uh, he, uh, he, uh, he, one of the people he blind carbon copied was uh, the Young Turks, uh, yeah. the, that, that group over there. And... Uh, so they've been following the story very closely because he was a contributor to the Young Turks as well, and uh, all of this kind of uh, all of this kind of different different aspects of this come up. And I want to play another clip that that is this is probably where we're getting to the most bacon. But now there is some piece of information that we were looking for, and that is significant. That now makes me think that there should be a much wider investigation, and that comes from Richard Clark. Now, Richard Clark is a very significant person. He was a former U.S. National Coordinator for Security, Infrastructure, Protection, and Counterterrorism. He's also a bit of an ambulance chaser. I mean, he's on this show all the time because he's always talking whenever there's something to cover. Right. He's the guy who was right about bin Laden and al-Qaeda. He was in the Clinton administration as a counterterrorism advisor, and then he was in the Bush administration. He had been telling them... Al-Qaeda is coming. We have to do something. We have to do a principles meeting. We have to get ready. They didn't listen to him, and at times they said, oh, he's got his hair on fire. Turned out he was 100% right. Now, he has voiced some concerns about what could be done to cars remotely. Get ready and for this. this is shocking. Even if you think that there's nothing untoward in the Michael Hastings story, which is, of course, incredibly possible, right? Even removed from that story, 
this facts that Richard Clark uh, is giving us or are, is amazing, is amazing, and it affects all of us. So what is it? Let me explain. He says, there's reason to believe that intelligence agencies for major powers, including the United States, know how to remotely seize control of a car. Whoa, hold on. We didn't know that. Why is this not the biggest revelation in a long, long time? So, again, putting Hastings' situation aside for a second, so they can seize control of any of our cars? And what if you have, I mean, there's one and a half million people in the intelligence community. I, I don't know how many of them have access to this kind of uh, power, but I, I assume not that many, but a decent amount. How about if they got an ex-wife or a guy they hate? They can remotely control your cars? Now, have you heard about this? We, no, I have not. Okay, so we've covered, uh, I think, this story twice on TechSnap. So what, it, it, what, what for some make and models, uh, basically, <laughs> if you've got a car that has um, Bluetooth, okay, just like every other embedded computer system, there's major vulnerabilities in just about every manufacturer's car, all of them. And some of them, you can have greater control over others. And we, we cited this study where they demonstrated in some cars, you know, they didn't get anything more than climate control. And in other cars, and like really popular common cars, they could get full control of the car. Wow. Like they were actually able to control the accelerator and control the brakes. Uh, the clip goes on, although he just, Cenk just takes so long to get to it. But Richard Clark goes on to talk a little bit about how, how they can do this now. These kind of hacks are extremely, extremely difficult to pull off because you have to be in very close proximity to the car. So you'd have to basically be right up next to the car in order to give the payload. The trick is, and this is the point that Richard Clark makes later in the clip, is that uh, there's no logging facilities in place on any of these computer systems in the car. So when you compromise a car like this, there's zero trace of it. So it's literally, there's no way really to tell. It just looks like you accelerated. But, but, but by putting this out there... Well, Richard Clark is, you know, this is, Richard Clark doesn't give it, I don't think, any particular credence. He, he, he makes his money on, on helping companies defend from cyber threats. Okay. So if he can, if he can, because he's a consultant now, he works for right. a consultant agency. Yeah. So if he can, you know, be the person out there talking about cyber car threats, maybe people, you know, they're rich enough that have super nice cars are going to hire this guy now to secure their car or something. Okay, or his but, company, but what about the inside? I mean, you know, there are many, many hackers and people yeah, who yeah. are they they could be put up for a hire, right? Like, hey, I want to take out somebody. Uh, can you hack out that car? Yeah, yeah. Well, here's what I'll tell you. This is the part that I find suspicious, and this is according to links that, that we have in the show notes. Um, <clears throat> you know that big story he said he was on to, in that email. The L.A. Times postulates that he was working with Jill Kelly. Does Jill Kelly ring a bell a little bit? Um, Does Paula Broadwell ring a bell? Yes. Do you remember the other gal's name? Mm -mm. Jill Kelly. Oh, okay. Now, remember two weeks ago when I said, I wonder if we've seen any abuses of this NSA prison oh, program. Right, and I yes. postulated that perhaps Petraeus yeah. was the first big public example we've seen where they used, they got into his inbox, they found out he was having an affair, and then he was pressured to resign. Right. Well, isn't it kind of interesting that Hastings was looking into another angle of that, and supposedly Jill Kelly is suing the Department of Justice and the FBI for a massive breach of privacy, and Hastings was working on a story with her about that breach of privacy. Wow, that's interesting. And then it's interesting, too, that all this happens in, uh, during this right. big NSA scandal. Yeah. A lot of bacon there. But I, I, I want to just draw that picture because 
when people are suggesting that perhaps there was foul play in Hastings' death, it it seems improbable, but it might be worth considering when you look at the individual components by themselves, it's possible. Brand new Mercedes, that engine was thrown like what, sixty yards? That- it was it was really, really far. I mean, we have a, a picture here if you're watching the enhanced feed. And there's the engine and the transmission completely detached from all yeah. over the parts of the car. And what's odd about that is... Uh, that just was, doesn't happen when a car just hits a, a, a tree. I, I, that just I, doesn't happen. A rather famous automotive journalist uh, wrote that, uh, I'm here to state that I've seen dozens of car hit, uh, cars hit walls and stuff at high speeds, and I have, and the number of them that I have observed eject their powertrains and immediately catch a massive fire is... Zero? Zero. Yeah. Modern cars are very good at not catching fire in these kinds of accidents. The Mercedes-Benz C-Class, which is evolutionary design from a company known for sweating the safety details, um, says that uh, they're leading the pack in the non-catching-on-fire category. Yeah. I mean, the picture, uh, I did I, I don't think I closed it yet, did I? I think I might have already. But yeah, no, the, uh, the picture of the car fully engulfed is insane this doesn't i I don't see this i don't you don't see this Uh, yeah i i almost i i don't you know i don't like going down that path i know that's what i'm saying i'm crazy but there's i'm 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 one of those guys that needs a logical explanation the other thing that's interesting about hastings is there's none here used to be a major uh supporter of the obama administration and starting about about january i can't december i don't know the exact time he made a big flip, and he was he was discovering a lot of stuff. He was being becoming very very vocal and very very active, and really going after this stuff. Right. And I just it's it's a real shame because even if there was no foul play, I believe he was onto some big stuff. And I think it's too bad that we're going to miss out on that now as a public. I, I really want to hear from the unfiltered audience on this one, just because I know we don't. I I don't like to always go down that conspiracy road. Yeah. But there's got to be some questions answered here. And I need I need an independent look at this. Right. When when you have the government, oh, it was just an accident. Right, we right. ruled it an accident. Well, and, and I all need of the an independent study here. If if Richard Clark is right, which is very odd that Richard Clark is commenting on this, but if Richard Clark is right, there's really no evidence. I mean, they just made the they just made the computer go faster. I mean, they just made the car go faster. Yeah, no, right. There's no evidence. It's and an engine just doesn't do this. A drivetrain doesn't detach like this. All right, let us know what you guys ah, think. Unfilter so at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Yes, please. While we're talking about the attack on journalists, you remember weeks ago now, it seems like it was forever ago, uh, there was the whole scandal around the AP getting their phones tapped. Yeah. Well, uh, here we are a little bit while later, and guess what? Turns out it's had a chilling effect on the AP sources. Here's the CEO of the AP. Some of our longtime trusted sources have become nervous and anxious about talking to us, even on stories that aren't about national security. And in, in some cases, government employees that we once checked in with regularly will no longer speak to us by phone, and some are reluctant to meet in person. Now, the government may love this. I suspect they do. But beware the government that loves secrecy too much. So he basically says our all our government contacts have just completely stopped talking to us. They won't do any kind of electronic communications. The only chance we get to talk with anybody now is only in person. They don't trust our phones. They don't trust our email. And we're, we've lost major sources. All right. So uh, what's to stop them from sending a letter via FedEx? Or well, I well FedEx would probably I think FedEx and UPS would be bad. You want to send it via the U.S. Postal Service, I think that way they can't really? look at it. Yeah, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, but I mean, so even even if nothing really happens in this AP case, the government wins in the sense that they have slowed down leaks to the AP. And because now you you know more about this stuff than I do when because you do a show uh, TechSnap about this stuff. What if uh, I want to talk to you securely? Uh, I mean, you were mentioning this in the supporter show. Uh, iMessage is encrypted. The CyanogenMod mod on Android. They're going to be doing some sort of encrypted, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, communication system. Is that the way to go? Yeah, you know, uh, I've been doing more and more emails with GPG encryption. Yeah, um, I've been playing with BitMessage, which is an up and coming um, encryption peer to peer messaging system. But haven't we read stories that by doing this and encrypting your emails, yes. and you're you're now actually you get flagged. you're you're getting more magnified and put on that radar. I uh, so new documents came out like well, since last episode, I think. Because you must be leaked. bad, Chris, if you want to. Uh, I don't know, keep your privacy in the document that's supposed to outline the limited the limits and protections that U.S. citizens have against NSA eavesdropping. That was leaked. It was just a document leaked uh it it literally states that if you encrypt they automatically retain your data u.s citizen or not if you encrypt they automatically retain it they don't <laughs> so i guess you're being uh, i guess all iphone users because iMessage automatically encrypts right, right. well think about this uh, well, guess what you guys if you have an iphone and you've used an iMessage you're you've already been flat what about when you log into G- gmail that's an https session that's all right or what about banking right and the other thing that. they said, here's the, then here, you ready for the huge loophole? This is the big one. You ready for this one? You ready? You ready? You yeah. ready for this? This is the biggest loophole okay. you've ever heard of. All right. There's been, never been a larger loophole in the history of loopholes. <laughs> they are allowed to retain U.S. citizen data for the purposes of database diagnostics. If they can keep your data to help them analyze traffic patterns, data traffic patterns, then they're able to retain it. You could make that justification for literally every bite that flows through their systems. You could make that argument. Who makes these rules again? Because you can't track and and monitor this stuff if you're not logging absolutely everything. Who makes these rules again, Chris? They make them themselves. Who monitors them? Uh, The uh, super transparent FISA court, Chase. And don't forget the administration. You mean the rubber stamp FISA court? (laughs) Is that what you mean? Yeah, Uh, that's what I mean. So uh, while while we're on the topic of journalism, before we go too far... Uh, Greenwald was the uh, he is the he is um, a writer at the uh, the Guardian. He's the one that broke the Snowden stories. He's the one that uh, worked with the uh, documentary person that Snowden's working with. Greenwald went on Meet the Press this Sunday, and the host of Meet the Press said, uh, "You're a collaborator." Oh. Greenwald had a great answer. Final yes. question before for you, but I'd like you to hang around. I just want to get Pete Williams in here as well. Um, to the extent that you have aided and abetted Snowden, even in his current movements. Why shouldn't you, Mr. Greenwald, be charged with a crime? Listen to this. Listen to this journalist. This supposed journalist. This this NBC. Why shouldn't you be charged with a crime for aiding and abetting? I think it's pretty extraordinary that anybody who would call themselves a journalist would publicly muse about whether or not other journalists should be charged with felonies. The assumption in your question, David, is completely without evidence, the idea that I've aided and abetted him in any way. The scandal that arose in Washington before our stories began was about the fact that the Obama administration is trying to criminalize investigative journalism by going through the, the emails and phone records of AP reporters, accusing a Fox News journalist of the theory that you just embraced being a 
a co-conspirator with felony in felonies for working with sources. If you want to embrace that theory, it means that every investigative journalist in the United States who works with their sources, who receives classified information, is a criminal. And it's precisely those theories and precisely that climate that has become so menacing in the United States. It's why the New Yorker's Jane Mayer said investigative reporting has come to a standstill, her word, as a result of the theories that you just referenced. Well, the question of who's a journalist may be up to a debate with regard to what you're doing. I agree. I think that question is up for debate. And I think when you look at the death death of Hastings, the CEO of the AP saying that their sources have been chilled, and the attack that Greenwald has gone under for honestly blowing the whistle, helping to facilitate blowing the whistle. He didn't get the documents himself. He just simply did the publishing. And, That's and, exactly what a journalist is supposed to and do. And this is a conspiracy, Bacon. This is fact. That's, this yeah. is absolutely yeah. fact. Well, you got it. You got it. Um, and uh, so while we're on that topic, I want to transition to the media's uh, handling of the Snowden case. It's, well, we've seen we've seen it turn over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, at first, it was very shocking that the NSA was right. doing this. Shocking we, revelations. Shocking revelations. Blockbuster revelations. We were completely, I mean, it was wall-to-wall coverage. Yeah. And then we started to see it turn. The Snowden. Yep. Turned to Snowden. Turned first his girlfriend, then the fact that he's a high school dropout. Yep. And now and he then might he walked be a spy. away. And then he walked away from this hundred and fifty thousand right, dollar job. Right, he was living right. in paradise in Hawaii. Right. And then he went to Hong Kong. And then once that once he went to Hong Kong, that's when the story started to change. Right. He's working for China. So I want to uh, before we get into the real meat of this story, let's uh, start with a little snack, a little appetizer. Some journalists believe the shocking U.S. government spying scandal is the biggest story of our lifetime. I sitting my desk uh, certainly had the authorities to to wiretap anyone. From you or your accountant to a federal judge to even the president, if I had a personal email. But Big Brother shamelessly watching millions of people in secret seems to be turning into little more than a cat and mouse chase by the American mainstream media. Snowden, Snowden, Snowden. To my mind, the only thing that's very, really important about Edward Snowden is, uh, is, is really how the government is cracking down on him and chasing him all over the place. But that's far from most of the media's focus. Instead, Snowden as the source, not the substance of the NSA scandal, is all the rage. Betraying your country is kind of a fashion statement. He wants to be the national security Kim Kardashian. There's an old technique called change the subject. When you don't like what the subject is about, you change it and you personalize it, or you try to see what the problems are with the people who are delivering the message and avoid actually explaining the message itself. In this case, a massive spy scandal has been turned into a possible case of treason. As an Alice in Wonderland, first comes the verdict, then the trial, with pundits eager to shoot the messenger. We need to get very, very serious about treason. And oh, by the way, for right. treason, as in the case of Bradley Manning or Edward Snowden, you bring back the death penalty. From questioning whether the reporter who broke the scandal with Snowden as his source should be punished along with the whistleblower. Why shouldn't you, Mr. Greenwald, be charged with a crime? To news reports focused on Snowden's girlfriend. What's curious, she also packed everything up and left for the mainland. To pointing fingers at any other government but their own. Whether China or Russia has been able to sort of suck out that knowledge from those computers while he's been in their countries. Avoiding the issue at hand seems to be a priority. It doesn't surprise me that uh, there should be this focus on uh, uh, Snowden's uh, private uh, 
This is uh, the uh, representative from WikiLeaks. It's, these guys from WikiLeaks are not very well spoken. His use of his, his uh, private affairs or his whereabouts and, and travels, instead on the, the, the incredibly important uh, revelations that he uh, has given us. The answer to the question why is simple. Because they failed to do their job to actually expose all this. So now they're blaming somebody who has exposed it and it makes them look bad. Ditto for the government. The media coverage of the NSA scandal, a litmus test for journalism that most are failing. Instead of cleaning up their act and dwindling ratings, networks are busy looking for bad guys elsewhere, instead of looking the real villain in the face. When you consider the fact that as recently as the 1970s, Richard Nixon was forced to resign in large part because he bugged roughly 50 people's phone calls, uh, this is a huge change in our perception. While a media war breaks out over supporting or hating Edward Snowden, as little airtime as possible is actually dedicated to the spying on unsuspecting citizens itself. The biggest privacy leak in recent U.S. history has shown the media to have little ability to deal with complex issues, instead indulging themselves in a manhunt yet again. But then again, this shouldn't be too shocking. When the finger pointing every now and then is paused, it's stories like this that fill airtime. You know, the gorilla looking super bored. They're shouting, you're ugly, you're ugly. Wait. <laughs> Anastasia Churkina, RT, New York. I thought that was a good piece. It was a little long, but, I, you know, they just nailed it. And of course, RT's a little incensed because they stand RT Russia today, and Russia's getting a lot of heat right now. Yeah. <laughs> so they were a little motivated. <laughs> But well but done, she, right? But she she hit it right on the head. She did, and you know the worst thing about it is, and our audience they get it. You guys get it out there. You understand it. What bothers me is I was uh, I was in the car with uh, one of my good friends the other day. Uh, we were driving back from uh, a taping of a show that we just saw, and I asked him because he's actually uh, he's in the the Army National our oh, Air Force National Guard. Okay, you know, and I and I just. I picked his brain, you know, really top of, you know, just skim, skim just kind of feel him out a little bit. bit. See, hey, what does he think? Yeah, and I asked him, and he didn't know much about the topic at all. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the problem, that you is, know. Right is. now, you know, Americans are so, and I'm not saying, you know, this is, you know, this is just the way life is. Americans are so engrossed over, you know, families, their yeah. jobs, yeah. What's going I, on? Fact, I think that's a big part of it. I think a lot of times when we get angry. And I know I am totally guilty of this. I blame American Idol. I blame the TV. But the reality is, is life is extremely freaking hectic. And it's very busy. And and this makes me sound like a kook. But honestly, it's just people are too busy dealing with all the small things to, to look up and see the huge problem. Right. But I think you could put all of this in perspective with a little head game. Are you ready for this? All right. How would we feel if this was a Russian exile? Somebody from Russia who came here, who fleed to here, oh yeah, to no, expose I've... about Russia's spying. Yeah, right. What if it was that? What if the scenario was immediately flipped? Oh, would we, would, we, be, we would we return him? Probably not. Oh, well, he would be a not. hero. Yeah, right. So you can kind of understand. Good for you for coming forward. Right. So if you think about it in that context, or if a Chinese does, had come over here and said, "You know what? I'm a whistleblower on on China spying you know, programs, uh... or China's been hacking you guys. I'm going to tell you all about it." We would, if somebody came over here and said China's been hacking, oh my gosh, he'd, he'd get a parade. I, I should get you a piece of audio because one of the commentators of a local radio station, he does a, a daily commentary. Yeah. And I want to say it was yesterday or two days ago. He said that exact same point. Yeah. That, you know, if 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 a guy came, the, uh, Dave Ross. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, he does. He actually. Well, he's does, a pretty smart guy. Yeah, he does national CBS yeah. commentary. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's just like we we are so two faced in that yeah. regard. Oh yeah. Well, no, it's just that we're not having the opportunity. I mean, the only place where these legitimate conversations are happening is or it's on shows like this. Right. That's where these are hap- that's yeah. where this is happening. But then again, it's shows like this that we get scarred with like, oh, we're crazy. Yes. We're out right. there. Right. Uh, like one week we're we're classified as left. Uh, next week we're classified as right. Right. I mean, or we're conspiracy theorists or we're right. Alex Jones fanboys or something like that. Or we're Young Turks fanboys. I mean, we call it, we call it as it is. That's all it is. If if it sucks, it sucks. If it's good, it's good. In my opinion, that's it. You know, it's not like I'm trying to push an agenda here. I right. just want people to open their freaking eyes and open their ears and have a discussion and about this on. stuff and think critically and because actually talk. They're not allowing us to think critically now. And and I, you know what? To that end, I, this would be a good spot to thank our supporters for this week's episode. Uh, we are we are doing great since we lowered the uh, monthly support to five dollars. We're trying to get to three hundred and thirty three of you at five dollars a month to help pay for one day of production. Now, the unfiltered show does not take one day of production. But no. <laughs> as a business owner, I'm just trying to justify it to myself to run a loss leader by saying, well, if I can cover one day of costs, I'll, I can keep doing it. And we're getting closer and closer every week. This week we hit one hundred and ten monthly unfiltered supporters. That I want to say, awesome. I know. That's I know. awesome. I want to say thank you to Blake J, Buck Z, Brandon B, or uh, yeah, Brandon. Brendan. Brendan. Sean, Thomas E, Sheldon G, Kashar K, Alex K, John L, George H, Paul S, and Harm for making us, to get it, for getting us all the way to 110. Uh, don't forget, if you become an unfiltered supporter, you get the supporters perk, which is the supporter show. Every, after every episode, you'll get a newsletter with a link to this week's supporter shows and the previous ones. So if you sign up between now and next week, and the next episode, you'll get a newsletter that gives you some behind-the-scenes info, all of the previous supporter shows. And the supporter shows are really, really, really good right now because we are focusing so much on these big, big stories and really d- digging in into these into like just a few stories that a lot of the other stuff that's going on, um, there's and there is a lot of other stuff going on, is making it into the supporter show. Yeah. So, like, for example... Now that we're doing like one combined download, so if you download the supporter show, you get the you get the whole thing is just you, one you file. You get one big file. You get the main show and and the post and pre-show. Uh, that show last week was like two hours and forty minutes. Yeah. So it's a hell of a show, and there's a ton of content in there. Yeah. Uh, and and so uh, we really really appreciate everyone who helps keeping us going by by becoming an unfiltered supporter by subscribing to that $5 a month. If you go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, click on the any episode of Unfilter. In the show notes, there's a $5 a month. You click that, and it registers you as an unfiltered supporter, and boom, you keep us going. It's simple. And it's, it's simple. We appreciate it. You know you know that we're just covering things as we see them. If we get something wrong, we'll try to make a correction next episode. Yeah. And uh, we uh, really appreciate the support you and guys. It, and it's not that, you know, Chris or I, we're, we're not uh, allowing dissenting views either. You know, you've heard us read on the show many, many times. Yeah, in fact, in our feedback, we'll have a dissenting view. Yeah. Just, you know, because I, I think it's, I think there's, we lose nothing by considering another opinion. We, no. we lose, we, we only have something to gain. Not at all. So that's why we do it. And you know, I'm not here to uh, appease anybody. You know, I'm here. I'm here to just, just say it out there because when when you get a lot of Americans and a lot of people who get turned off by the news and they don't watch and listen to the news because they get oversaturated with stories about American Idol or Kim Kardashian and you know things st- like that. Or like the that thing was at the end of that Russia Today clip was a, there was some news about a, an angry gorilla that yeah, they were laughing. You know, at. It, it's yeah. like yeah. You know, there there or, are, uh, this week one of the big distractions was Jim Carrey doesn't like uh, Kick Ass Two anymore, and that they just cover that over and over again on ABC. There, there are issues, much pressing issues in our country and around the world that should be covered, but 
unfortunately, because it's about the advertising dollar and the big ratings, I, that you know what? That just doesn't sell. You can see in the way the media is handling this uh, whole whole story, but specifically the way they're going after Edward Snowden, they are not answerable to you, the audience, because that's not what you want. They are answerable to their big, big, deep pocket advertisers and what they want to see. And you might not fully appreciate this relationship, but trust me when I say they are not making content for you. They are making content that works for their sponsors that secondarily also happens to work for you. But the first responsibility for them is those advertisers. They subsidize that huge over the top production that you, you know how, you know how they, you know how wasteful those things are. We, we are that approach completely rebooted, reborn for the internet, crowdsourced, coming for you directly from the people taking advantage of the technology today and covering the things as we see them. So thank you everyone who becomes an unfiltered supporter. Yeah, thank you. And Chase, appreciated. Yes, sir. with those acknowledgments done, you know what that means. It's now time to play Ask the Chat Room, where we're going to put out a question, and you're going to have an answer. And if you know the answer to this awesome question, well, you get accolades. Chris, what is today's question? Okay, Chase. Now, this one's a bit of a curveball. Stand now, right, by. Wait, wait, wait. Is it a four-letter agency? <laughs> Which four-letter agency? Ah, I know! <laughs> is in trouble this week. And I'll give you a little hint, Chat Room. Yeah. They're not from the U.S. Okay, so... So the question is, what four-letter agency, that's like four letters, that's three plus one, is in trouble? Uh, we got some good guesses, we but I haven't guesses? seen anything worth uh, pulling the slot machine All yet. All right, we're still, I know everyone's thinking of those three-letter agencies. They're like, oh my God, there's a fourth. We need uh, we need somebody from across the pond uh, to, uh, to I, you ready for I, me I to pull the I, lever? Well, I think I know what it is. and I, I, I mean, see some answers in there. All, yeah, right, all right, tell me when you're ready. All right, go for it, go and pull Turn page wash hand says NYPD? No, no, NYPD would not be correct. All right. WWNSX says NATO? No, nope, NATO is not correct. Zeke, oh, I'm sorry, Snake Doc, uh, Zeke will says GZHQ? GZHQ? Incorrect. Oh. Snake Doc says GCHQ. There we go. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there GCHQ, you go. Nice job, which Doc. of course is the uh, Britain spy agency. Good, good. <laughs> which I'm sure are just a bunch of great guys. Well, guess what, Chase? You're never going to believe this. No. Certainly a new twist, and it reveals a vast and encompassing uh, program uh, operation. That- what do you suppose that new twist is? What do you suppose? Uh, certainly it's a new twist. What do you suppose it is? I, I couldn't even guess, Chris. Well, Chase, it turns out that the GCHQ has been wiretapping the lines in and out of their little island. Are you serious? And uh, they're collecting traffic and sharing it with the NSA. Uh, In place by the GCHQ here in the UK, it shows that they had been collecting and storing vast quantities of information ranging from Facebook posts to phone calls, uh, as well as uh, internet, even internet histories. Basically, they have had access to fiber optic cables that carry the world's phone calls. If you remember, even the NSA said that they did not record phone calls. But according to these latest revelations uh, by Edward Snowden, that 
up to 600 million quote-unquote telephone events last year were recorded a day by the GCH. You can imagine the vast amount of data that they are now able to tap into, to store and to analyze and share with the U.S.'s National Security Agency or the NSA. And if you look at the documents that Snowden had provided, the titles of some of the main components were Mastering the Internet or Global Telecom Exploitation. Clearly, there's no doubt as to what the objectives of, of these programs were, having put them in a place. And also, the fact that the technology exists right now and that they are, have been in place for the last 18 months is really a terrifying thought for private citizens because this kind of vast and encompassing uh, kind of technology does not distinguish between innocent uh, private citizens and targeted suspects. And that has brought up the concern, of course, of security versus uh, uh, infringement of privacy. And also, there's another point to be made here that the, the Guardian believes that reported that about uh, the, the people who had access to the GCHQ's uh, database were about 850,000 NSA employees and private contractors with uh, top security clearance. That's a lot of people with access to private information of UK citizens and beyond. And also, according to Edward Snowden, uh, the GCHQ have been even worse than the US in their spying uh, efforts here. Well, that doesn't yeah, surprise me. No, um, not at all. So what's great is the GCHQ shares what they find about U.S. citizens back to the NSA. But oh, I don't know if you nice caught it because she kind of starts yeah. she starts getting a little drunk at the end of that clip there. She slurs it a little bit. But what she actually said is the GCHQ provides the NSA with logins to their database. So the NSA brings up a portal and logs into the GCHQ <laughs> database to do queries <laughs> against their own information. Oh, how nice. Yeah. That's easy. And, you know, something, speaking of Snowden, because Snowden leaked this information, uh, we forgot to mention since we were on the air uh, last week, uh, breaking news, Chase. This is CNN Breaking News. Breaking News. We have some breaking news in the NSA leaker investigation. Our crime and justice correspondent, Joe Johns, <laughs> is on the phone. Joe, what do you have How for us? correspondence do they well, have? Well, Jake, this is confirmation of uh, what a lot of legal uh, consultants and advisors and so on have been saying for a while. And that is reporting by the Washington Post uh, this evening that the uh, accused uh, suspected leaker in the National Security Agency uh, cases, Edward Snowden, has been charged in a sealed indictment in the Eastern District of Virginia with three charges. That would be theft, also conversion of government property, as well as espionage. Espionage. And of oh, course, since geez. since last week, when we were on there last week, he was hunkered down in Hong Kong. He yeah. was holding tight. And some really interesting stuff happened between now, between then and now, and including him getting to Moscow. And how that all actually happened is pretty interesting. There's a few details in there that I don't think have been reported on very much. So let's recap those real quick. Thanks so much for joining us here You're on welcome. RT today. I'm Rory Suchet, live in Moscow. It's now just after 11 a.m. Welcome to the program. Russia's all but ruled out any chance of extraditing America's most wanted man who's holed up in transit at a Moscow airport. President Putin has declared Edward Snowden's never crossed into Russia territory, rendering him immune to and outside that of the government's reach. So this is their technicality that the Russians are using right now. He's still <laughs> in the territory of the airport. I don't know if that means he's in a hotel on the airport ba grounds. Ba basically, or... he's an immigration-free zone. Yeah. And so with the Chinese, the, the, the loophole that they used to let him leave was that the U.S. on the form to extradite him didn't clarify what his middle initial stood for. And because they didn't clarify <laughs> what his middle initial stood for, they, they, they claimed the document was invalid. 
Oh, God. Which then, so what they did is then they submitted it back to the DOJ and said, or whoever it was, and said, you need to refile this. But what they were doing there was, it was a delay tactic. It was the exact amount of time that Snowden needed to hop on a plane and get the hell out of Hong Kong. The, 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 by like, by like, to the hour that they delayed, like, they got, bought him just enough time to make it over to Moscow. The RT's Alexei Rashevsky has more. Wow. Ever since Edward Snowden touched down in Moscow on Sunday, it's been the biggest mystery for the last 72 hours or so what his next move would be. He was supposed to fly to Havana from Moscow on Monday. He even checked in supposedly for that flight, but never made it there. Ever since, it's been speculated uh, that he may have left the country on a different flight. He may have left it elsewhere. Uh, Even some have been alleging that he may have been detained by the Russian authorities to later to be extradited to the United States. Uh, Both of these claims were in fact quite by the Russian president who compared uh, Mr. Snowden to the case of another very famous whistleblower. Snowden's case is similar to that of Julian Assange. Both call themselves defenders of human rights and fight for the freedom of information. You have to ask yourself, do such people need to be hunted down and put in prison? I personally would like to avoid cases like these. It's like shearing a pig, lots of shrieking, but little fur. Well, the Russians were rather clear in their explanation as to why Snowden would not be extradited to the United States. The explanation coming from the Chinese authorities as to why they denied denied the extradition to the United States was deemed hilarious and amusing by many uh, online. Now, believe it or not, the Hong Kong authorities said they would not extradite Snowden because in the paperwork that the United States uh, provided to the Chinese of the former NSA man. They did not specify what the J in the Edward J. Snowden stood for, Joan or James, so that's why they uh, denied the extradition. Uh, uh, So, uh, of course, um, there's been lots of uproar about that coming from across the Atlantic with some of the politicians in Washington pointing the fingers at Moscow and Beijing for not cooperating with Washington on uh, the whistleblower on Edward uh, Snowden. Some have even been alleging that Snowden has been working together with the Russian and the Chinese services. This claim was yet again denounced by both the Russian foreign minister and the Russian president. Yeah, they claim they've had no contact with him. Can, can, can I play a little conspiracy bacon too, yeah, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have to play the sound. I'm just saying the, you know, we, we would do the same thing, right? And then we would have plausible deniability. Oh, we have no idea. We didn't right, help him. Right. So if, yeah, if he is getting help for transport through and they're, you know, letting these documents. I, uh, I know, think the fact that these other nations are doing this shows that they feel that the U.S. has been caught doing something very wrong. And yes. that they are not wanting to comply with somebody who's breaking their own laws. I I think it's it's. Pretend it's worth entertaining the idea that these other nations are behaving like this way because we as a nation are misbehaving so badly. Right. And what's what's worse is now the media is, is spinning it that, oh, he is such a bad guy. This guy, Snowden, oh, he's not a hero. He's right. a traitor. He's, he's going, terrible. He's going over some of the worst regimes in the world. Well, he's going to China. Then now he's yeah. going to Russia. Now he's going to go to Cuba. I, was actually, I actually heard the quote, uh, you know, if he wanted us to believe he was doing this for freedom, then why did he flee to these tyrannical nations? I'm sure they'd love to hear that, but um, but see the thing is, you know, at the same time, America's really trying to squash any kind of whistleblower from ever coming yes. forward again. Have you heard they, about this uh, program that 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 has been go- actually been going on for two years that talks about finding coworkers who are stressed and coworkers who may be going through divorce or coworkers who are having financial problems? I heard and, about this, and that you should report that. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and of course, it didn't work because Snowden now came out and said in an interview that uh, he had planned to do these leaks before he even got the job at Booz Allen. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because maybe his position as a CIA analyst gave him access, and so he suspected something was going on. Um, does that change the equation for you at all, knowing that he took this job to leak this information potentially? Yeah, but as long as the ultimate reason stays valid, and that ultimate reason is he wants the American public, he wanted the world to know what travesties the United States government was doing. Now, if that still holds true, then okay. But if he is really trying, like, see, here's where I'm, you know, I want more information. If he's really trying to help the enemy, if he's really trying to compromise uh, if that was security, the, if that, well, you never know. I mean, right. so could he back asswardly accidentally hand over something potentially? Rumor is now that he has three or four laptops with him. Right. From the NSA. Yeah, see. So, so we don't know. And, and, then, and that's part of the problem here is, you know, these news reports and from all these conflicting reports cast so much doubt of what's really the full story here. It makes you wonder. It really does. But at the same time, I'm glad that we know. But we're not talking about that. Well, we are. Well, we are, but we as a nation aren't really talking about that. I'll play these guys out. Any accusations against Russia are nothing but rubbish, simply ravings. Our special services never interacted with Snowden and are not doing so today. Edward Snowden is not only the most wanted man across the Atlantic, he's also the most wanted man by the media. Now, this plane he was supposed to board on Monday carried more than half of Moscow's international press corps. Basically, they went on a three-day holiday to the Caribbean. And uh, <laughs> now it's also so speculated what his next move would be. Some are saying that he may wait for the dust to settle down and then move elsewhere. Some are saying that he may wait for his asylum plea to be satisfied by either Ecuador or Venezuela. In any case, we're here at Moscow's Sheremetyevo Airport waiting for the next move of the world's most high-profile whistleblower. At Moscow's Sheremetyevo Airport, RT's Alexei Yeroshevsky. Now, Russia may face consequences for its inaction. This a warning from senior U.S. officials, are foremost among them, the Secretary of State John Kerry. And more than that, though, it's not just Moscow that it may face Washington's anger. There's more issues to it. Guy H. Jacan reports on this. U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry hinted at possible consequences that Russia may face for its response on Snowden, saying at times Russians have criminals in the U.S. they're looking for, and he said the U.S. had cooperated on handing over seven of them in the past two years. Although, if it were a Russian whistleblower who stood up for civil liberties in Russia, it's kind of hard to imagine the U.S. handing them over very quickly, especially if the U.S. were not legally obliged to do so. Actually, it turns out in March... There was a prisoner that they wanted very much who fled from to the USA from mm. Russia, and Russia formally requested that we extradite them back to Russia, and the Obama administration refused. Uh, and so, you know. We'll figure that one yeah. out. And in the case of Snowden, we heard the Russian president say Russia had no legal authority to stop him from traveling. Formally, he hasn't crossed the Russian border. He is a transit passenger, didn't need a Russian visa, and he hasn't committed any crimes in Russia. Moscow says Russia doesn't want to have anything to do with Mr. Snowden. But it's amazing how this story, which had absolutely nothing to do with Russia, is all about Russia now. Much of the media here has turned the whole Snowden story into a story about Putin. They invite lawmakers and experts who focus on Russia and Putin. Here's, for example, Senator McCain weighing in on the story. 
look, we've got to start dealing with Vladimir Putin in a realistic fashion for what he is. He's an old KGB colonel apparatchik that dreams of the days of the Russian Empire, and he continues to stick his thumb in our eye in a broad variety of ways. This kind of... I love... I that love. sounds so disgruntled. Like, I know, I know. Oh, KGB. McCain sounds like an old fire when he talks like that. So uh, I, I like that we often trot out, and we should often trot out, that Putin is ex-KGB. Like, but how come then when every time we don't mention George W. Bush Sr., we don't mention that he's he was- He's a, a FBI, he, right? No, yeah. he was oh. the director of the CIA. CIA, yeah. Right? Ex-CIA. Ex-CIA agent George W. Bush- how come we don't say that? Because KGB is so evil. Or how about summer intern at the CIA, Barack Obama. The big red machine. Or CIA intern, Anderson Cooper. We don't say that. But whenever we say Vladimir Putin, we say KG, former KGB agent. Because, because remember, you got to paint a picture and you got to create that fear factor, the evil Soviet Union. And, oh, he worked for the KGB. Oh, I'm scared. I'm really scared now, Chase. All right, well, that's how you get to do it. Good point. Narrative in the media that's focused on Russia certainly helps build up negative public opinion on Snowden and eventually discredit his revelations. The focus is not just on Russia, but also on China. And you hear U.S. officials blast Hong Kong for letting Snowden fly. But what about one of his revelations, the fact that the U.S. spied on Chinese research centers and universities? Here's the explanation that we heard from Secretary Kerry. It's not our surveillance activities on them. It's our surveillance activities anonymously. On thousands uh, of Chinese citizens and the Chinese university. Anonymously in order to be able to track terrorism. And if there is an act of terrorism or some linkage that is appropriate, some indicator. In China? So we, no shit, are hacking Chinese civilians and we're using... We are actually trying, without even laughing, without, without even cracking a smile, we're actually trying to say it's because we're trying to monitor terrorism. And are, are we just going to monitor every single country in every single world? This is way beyond a police state. This is a police world. Chris, 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 you need to calm down because no, no. remember. We're hacking Chinese civilian computers. We're, jacking, we're hacking Chinese Chris. cell towers. We're working with the GCHQ to get their information on their citizens. Chris. What other countries are we doing this hey, in? Hey, Chris, Chris, it's okay because as long as your kids are safe, as long as the kids are safe and, and you Terrorists. know. You're, you don't have to worry. Terrorism, terrorism, communism, terrorism, terrorism, communism, not socialism. Whatever it is, it could be anywhere in the world. Whatever it is, then you have to go to court. And you have to have court approval in order to do anything that is actually name-specific, person-specific. So Secretary Kerry said the U.S. was spying on Chinese research centers and universities to find terrorists. Look, you can hear it in her mouth, in her voice. She can, she's cracking a smile. She's like, I can't even believe they're trying to claim this bullcrap. Yeah. Like, how long are we going to use the terrorism? And by the way, the bulk of the NSA spying is done via the Congress authorization to take action against Al-Qaeda. Don't, don't forget, Chris, uh, it's only a matter of time or a few minutes where we're going to hear 9-11. You need just... to, but think about this. Replay this through your mind again. We are hacking China based on the authorization to go to war against Al-Qaeda. Yep. That is the authorization we are using to hack China. Because they could be hiding there in China in that nondescript building off that nondescript boulevard where those guards chase you. Now, it turns out you can't totally put all the blame on China or on Russia for Snowden getting away. Turns out the Obama administration made a few mistakes of their own. 
Here's a little timeline. On June 14th, with Edward Snowden hiding out in Hong Kong, the Justice Department filed sealed charges against him. The next day, the U.S. requested the Hong Kong government to provisionally arrest him for purposes of extradition. But the State Department didn't revoke his passport until almost a week later. But they say they did it before he left Hong Kong. Claiming they needed more documents from the U.S., Hong Kong authorities allowed Snowden to board a plane anyway and flee to Moscow. In an interview with CNN, Secretary of State John Kerry denied the administration committed a major blunder. He was uh, under a sealed indictment. And uh, uh, the moment the indictment was unsealed and we knew of it, at that point, his passport was pulled within two hours. So uh, they didn't actually pull his passport until last Saturday. So you think about it, when we were on the air on Wednesday, he was in Hong Kong. Yeah. And they still, at that point, had not pulled his passport. Why? Why would they not well, pull it immediately? Because, the, because his indictment was a secret, and if they would have pulled his passport, it would have revealed the secret. This is how our government works, dude. The U.S. also did not ask Interpol to issue a red notice to arrest Snowden. A Justice Department official said a red notice is sent when you don't know a fugitive's location. But it was clear Snowden was in Hong Kong. A furious White House says Hong Kong and Beijing knew exactly what they were doing. We are just not buying that this was a technical decision by a Hong Kong immigration official. This was a deliberate choice by the government to release a fugitive despite a valid arrest warrant. And that decision unquestionably has a negative impact on the U.S.-China relationship. The State Department warns there will be consequences. What's well, that if mean? If we can't count on them to honor a legal extradition treaty, then uh, there's a significant problem. So this is something we're raising very directly with the Chinese. Yes, but what kind of consequences? The State Department isn't saying. And China experts note that given that economic relationship and also the political diplomatic issues like Syria, retaliation could actually be counterproductive, Wolf. Yeah, you know why you know why retaliation would be counterproductive against China? Oh, I don't know. They only hold so much debt against us and Exactly. You know, and we buy so many gold. Yeah. <laughs> now, Arty's financial guru Max Kaiser spoke to him a little earlier and he explains why he thinks Hong Kong felt safe to ignore America's extradition request for Snowden. Well, China's got a fantastic card to play. One trillion US dollars that they can dump on the market anytime and jack interest rates in America up by five or six points, which would throw that real estate market back into collapse. China's pulling the strings here. China's got all the cards to play. America's the biggest debtor nation in the world. So I think, and look at the bond market today, Bill. It's selling off pretty spectacularly all, all over the world because confidence in the American hologram of finance is collapsing. They flip the switch. They see that the emperor has no clothes. There's no underlying economic activity to support the military occupations and financial occupations that are emanating from the U.S. Game over. It's game over. Game over, man. Russia, China, Ecuador stand up to the financial terrorists in America and Britain. Stay the course. Don't give in. Don't appease the financial terrorists on Wall Street. We need you to stand firm. 
What Edward Snowden has proved is that if you live a principled life and stay true to your convictions, you can change the world. Game over, man. But he's actually kind of right, right? I mean, we can't really do that much against China. Uh, you, you need that clip from Aliens, man. Game over, man. <laughs> Game over. Uh, all right. Before we move to, on too much further to some very interesting uh, twists here, uh, I, I thought I'd, I'd uh, play my favorite clip from MSNBC this week, who has been MSNBC and Fox have been at their worst. alert. They've been at their worst. Uh, and uh, the uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, who has uh, the, the you know the last word, uh, he blames all of this attention Edward Snowden is getting. Well, you know what? It's Edward Snowden's fault. And, and, and oh. so uh, it, it, he, as 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 a character in this thing, seems to have various depths. He's very good at the IT stuff, mm-hmm. not so good at the constitutional and legal defense stuff. So he's found the perfect partner in Julian Assange, right? <laughs> prone to hyperbole, <laughs> questionable sort of real world uh, understanding, but actually extremely effective in in sparking a debate about secrecy, about yes. the power of the United States government. Let's but just be but, clear. But, you know, whatever what? his motives are, whatever his motives are, no this debate is now engaged it's very real and it should have been engaged a long time ago by congress and the courts so his motives extremely questionable his intelligence i think is also extremely questionable but these are real issues and we should be discussing them well there's a problem with the debate which is we just ran out of time and didn't get to have it because we're busy on the chase story which we're we're covering the chase story and so the funny thing is that his Chase story, which is dramatic and interesting to cover, takes up really the space that would be the debate he wanted. We were doing more of that debate before this chase got so crazy. So yeah. he, he's kind I'm not of, crazy. He, he's stuck Stop in this position where his own there. actions contra- you counter what he's trying to hard to speak for openness when you're hiding behind <laughs> yes. tyrannical And hops, right, hopscotching through yeah. each tyrannical regime after the next. Richard Wolf, thank you very much for your guidance. We'd be covering this more if he wasn't running, and uh, they they kind of bring in, and somehow they also use that to bring in question to his motivation. So I thought, why don't if we're gonna before we get done talking about Edward Snowden this week, why yeah. don't we why don't we just ask Edward Snowden what his motivations are? I just thought, you know, you think he would actually really tell us, Chris? You can't come forward against the world's most powerful intelligence agencies and uh, be completely free from risk because they're such powerful adversaries that, that no one can meaningfully oppose them. Um, if they want to get you, they'll get you in time. But at the same time, you have to make a determination about what it is that's important to you. And if living, uh, living unfreely but comfortably is something you're willing to accept. And I think many of us are. It's, it's the human nature. Uh, you can get up every day, you can go to work, you can collect your, your large paycheck for relatively little work uh, against the public interest and, and go to sleep at night after watching uh, your shows. But if you realize that that's the world that you helped create and it's going to get worse with the next generation and the next generation who extend the capabilities of this sort of architecture of oppression, uh, you realize that you might be willing to accept any risk. And it doesn't matter what the outcome is, so long as the public gets to make their own decisions about how that's applied. I don't know about you, but that lands on me pretty heavy. Yeah. I mean, but you know what, though? Here's the sad part about it. The ultimate sad part. The the majority of Americans either don't hear those words, never heard those words, or don't care about those words. So I talked to my dad. And I said, what do you think about this? he said, well, I know it's not exactly the best thing, but if it keeps us safe, 
I think it's worth it. I've never. Oh, so, so your dad's been compromised. Is I've. I. I. I was so disappointed. Like, I couldn't believe he said that. Like, Dad, it's not about you. It's not about watching you. I don't care if you don't have anything to hide, Dad. It's not about you. It's not about Chase. It's not about Chris. It's about Edward Snowden. It's about making sure that future whistleblowers have the ability to blow the whistle. And yeah, maybe if they monitor boring people, who cares? It's about those people. It's about, it's about Bradley Manning. It's about keeping our government in check, you stupid, selfish bastards. It's not about you and watching your mailbox. It's about those other whistleblowers who have the balls to stand up that you won't do. And, and if, if, if they get compromised, we all get compromised. It's not about us. It's about other people. People are so selfish that they don't care. They're being selfish. Because the way that lives are now in the United States, because we are the most powerful nation on the planet. Well, and isn't it? Well, yeah, people well, kind people, of, except well, for people, as, our, as our state of living deteriorates into more and more shit, as it has for the last 30 years. Yeah. We become more consumed by managing that. Mom and dad have to go to work. That wasn't like that, you know, 40, 50 years ago. It was just dad going now to work. Now you have two families working. Medical bills are more expensive than they ever have. So some people are working multiple jobs. You've got all kinds of crazy shit happening all the time. So as they continue this aggressive policy against their own people, they make our lives worse, which make us more distracted. So we're less able to keep these people so, in check. So like, and it's more important to have whistleblowers, more important so, than ever. So what's the end game? I mean, really. I mean, we're we're going down a path. We we see the pattern. Okay, we we see how bad it is. Where does right it take now. us? Where does it go? I I mean, the only where would we be today without the internet? I mean, thank God, thank God that the internet's out there and that people that know how to use it are able to use it to spread information. Yeah, but then at the same time, if we didn't have this internet, but we do. No, I know, but but using that same argument, if we didn't have the free exchange of information like this, then perhaps the government wouldn't be able to monitor and spy. Huh. Well, I mean, you know, that's a tough call. Uh, the NSA has been doing this kind of thing for a very long time. Right, but like you said, back in the 70s when Nixon was tapping people, people were in an outrage. Yeah. But now it's been so saturated that, oh, well, this is different. This is okay. This is for terrorism. This, is, this doesn't affect me. This is to keep me safe yeah. under that guise. I think it's been a successful campaign of scaring people. Scaring people, scaring people. September 11th was, you know, there will be something people will never forget. Right. And that was a very scary vision. It, it, it's when CNN introduced the, the crawl on their news yeah. and didn't stop. Right, right. You know, it's it, what worries me, honestly, is the end game of unknowing what it's going to be, but it scares the hell out of me to see how much we've progressed into this hole I know. that. I don't know, you know and, it's, find, and it's scary. And honestly, I think I hope I'm not alive to see it. I think it's the control. I still believe, and maybe this is me being optimistic, but I still believe it's the control of the narrative that is the primary problem. And I put I pin that on the media. And I'll give you here. I'll, I'll give you exhibit one. Okay. Are you ready for exhibit right. one? Let's hear it. So last week, uh, while uh, Snowden was hanging out in Hong Kong, the media gave the other three whistleblowers that we've heard a lot about some airtime. Since then, they've gotten zero airtime. Also, something else that's interesting, and I, I, don't, I don't know much about this, but supposedly there is a fourth NSA whistleblower that is not getting any attention, and his name is Russell Tice, and I looked him up. He looks completely legit. He's been, he's been on the news. I want to play this clip for you, and then maybe we'll chat about why he's not getting any airtime. Last week, NSA whistleblower Russell Tice conducted interviews on Boiling Frog's Post and The Corbett Report, where he revealed shocking new details of the NSA spying scandal. 
In addition to detailing how the NSA is collecting and storing the content of all electronic communications passing through the United States, he also revealed for the first time some of the specific targets of past NSA wiretapping operations, including senior congressional leaders, the former White House press secretary, high-ranking military generals, the entire Supreme Court, and even then-senator from Illinois and future president, Barack Obama. Yeah, it was, it was uh, journalists. It, were, it was um, members of Congress, uh, both houses, Senate and uh, in the House, um, especially on the intelligence committees, in the armed services committees, and on judiciary committees, um, and and as well as the senior leadership in both the House and the Senate. It was judges, um, federal judges, and um, it, it, every member of the Supreme Court, all nine of which I held the the initial. Um, uh, targeting of Judge Alito in my hand when they when Judge Alito was being put up for um, you know his position on the Supreme Court. So I saw I saw the Alito paperwork in my hand uh, physically. Um, it was um, it was members of uh, of a few members of, of Bush's own staff um, in in the White House. Now who else did they? They went after. Uh, lots of lawyers and law firms, I noticed. In your um, interview on Boiling Frog's Post, you, you mentioned specifically uh, General Petraeus? Yes, they, they went after senior uh, military leaders. Um, with my satellite stuff, I saw, I saw how they went. His satellite, he was a, he, for in his, one of his jobs in the NSA was to monitor satellite communications. All satellite communications, everyone's satellite communications. After, they went after um, the State Department. They went after Colin Powell, Secretary of State. They went after General Sasaki, uh, and then on the terrestrial side, I saw the paperwork as they were going after um, General Petraeus. Was Barack Obama targeted by this? Uh, yes, he was. As a matter of fact, that was in two thousand four, probably now late summer time frame, um, and he was he was a candidate for senator. He'd already won his primary in Illinois, and that's when I saw. Um, you know, Barack Obama's name. Russell Tice was a 20-year intelligence analyst veteran, working for the NSA until 2005 when he helped blow the whistle on the agency's unconstitutional spying on Americans. He was one of the sources that James Risen and Eric Lichtblau turned to for their reporting on the warrantless wiretapping program in the New York Times. In 2009, he revealed to Keith Olbermann that the agency was eavesdropping on the communications of journalists a full four years before the AP spying scandal. But an, an organization that was collected on were um, U.S. Um, news organizations and uh, reporters and journalists. So far, the mainstream press in the United States have been studiously ignoring these amazing revelations. Tice was invited for a brief appearance on MSNBC, but was told just minutes before going on air that he was not permitted to mention the wiretapping of government officials. Glenn Greenwald and others who have been working tirelessly on the Edward Snowden story have yet to even acknowledge Tice's comments. A handful of publications such as the Huffington Post and Business Insider have run single stories on the revelations, but so far there has been no response from the NSA, the White House, or any of the other people named by Tice to these allegations. That's odd. That's strange. Hmm. You know, Chris, you know, sitting here hearing this, how can one not get depressed at a time like this? I, 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 it's one of those situations where it's just like, I, I'm not trying to be like Obama here, but 
I'm losing hope. I am so losing hope in in mm. things right now. Mm. Uh, uh, I just, I mean, this is campy because this is gonna be my answer several times this episode. But, um, I think you gotta. I think we have to appreciate the fact that even a year ago, two years ago, we wouldn't have even had this conversation. Yeah. We wouldn't even know. I mean, this guy we was, wouldn't have known. This right. guy's been blowing the whistle since 2005. Right. This uh, Russell Tice. And uh, enough people knew, but there wasn't, there hasn't, the mechanisms to distribute an idea and to distribute knowledge have not fully been in place until recently. And in fact, uh, according to the NSA themselves, uh, the internet's generated more data in the last two years than it ever has ever. Right. So we're just really getting started. And that is the only light of hope that I can see here. Um, It is pretty shocking. And And that there are more and more people that are standing up to this crap and taking it to their own hands. Um, and one of the things, the other thing that kind of, cause I honestly was kind of sliding into this funk, like, cause I'm thinking of my kids and I'm yeah. thinking of next, you know, the next, not maybe, okay. But maybe, you got another one on the way, man. Right. And I'm, and I'm also worried about when they're our age, there's going to be another generation of politicians in office that might abuse this stuff at a whole new level. Right. And I'm, I am honestly worried about that. But what I, what I, I, I recently came across a, a book about the NSA. It was published in 2008. And it, it, is, it is more relevant today than I think it has ever been. It is unbelievable how relevant this book in 2008. It's called The Shadow Factory. And it's this book I've been listening to. It is, it is, a, it is a very good introduction to uh, the NSA's warrantless wiretapping programs. And I thought I'd play a little excerpt from you because I think one of the things we should, I don't think we fully appreciate is the full size and scope of the NSA, of how freaking huge the NSA is. And I want to play this a clip from the book. Michael Vincent Hayden stood at the window of his large corner office. Unrecognizable to most Americans, the man at the window was the nation's top electronic spy, overseeing more analysts and operatives than anyone else in the country and possibly the planet. In addition to people, he controlled the largest collection of eavesdropping tools the world had ever known. Constellations of billion-dollar satellites that could hear whispers on a cell phone from more than 22,000 miles in space. Moon-like listening posts around the globe with dozens of giant white orbs containing satellite dishes capable of pulling in tens of millions of phone calls, email messages, and faxes an hour. And, to sort it all out, the largest collection of supercomputers on Earth. In addition... He controlled the agency's own secret military force, the little-known Central Security Service, with its fleets of ships, submarines, and aircraft that quietly vacuum the world for telltale voices and data. I'm going to be honest. I did not know the NSA had submarines. (laughs) I did not know that... I, I actually did not fully appreciate the Central Security Service until I read this book. I didn't quite... I didn't quite appreciate the scope of this agency. And if that point isn't driven home by the fact that they actually have a fleet of submarines, they actually also operate out of what is called the secret city. Why do they call it the secret city? Because it is the size of a city. The vast and mysterious city stretched out below Hayden was the largest, most powerful, and most intrusive eavesdropping machine ever created. Made up of tens of thousands of people, more than 50 buildings, dozens of receiving antennas, and the planet's most powerful number-crunching supercomputers, it had one overriding goal. Access. Access to billions of private hardline, cell, and wireless telephone conversations, text, email, and instant internet messages. 
web page histories, faxes, and computer hard drives. Access to any signal or device that might contain information in any form, regardless of protection, firewalls, encryption, or passwords. Never before in history had a single person controlled so much secret power to pry into so many private lives. The NSA was once a backwater agency whose director had to fight to sit at the same table with the CIA chief. When was that? Well, just a little bit before September 2001. But by the time Hayden arrived, it had become the largest, most expensive, and most technologically advanced spy organization on the planet. Supplying nearly 80% of all intelligence to the rest of the government, it needed an entire city to house it, a city that, if incorporated, would be one of the largest municipalities in the state of Maryland. At the same time, it remained nearly as dark and mysterious as when Harry Truman secretly created it, without the approval or even knowledge of Congress, nearly half a century earlier. To those who worked there, NSA still stood for no such agency and never say anything. To those on the outside, it was virtually invisible, hidden from the world behind a labyrinth of barbed wire and electrified fences, massive boulders, motion detectors, hydraulic anti-truck devices, cement barriers, attack dogs, and submachine gun toting commandos in, in black ninja outfits nicknamed Men in Black. Inside, Upward of 30,000 employees and contractors traveled over its 32 miles of roads, parked in lots covering 325 acres, and entered one of more than four dozen buildings, containing more than 7 million square feet of floor space. More than 37,000 cars were registered in the city, and its post office distributed over 70,000 pieces of mail a it day. It has a post office. The Secret City's police force employed more than 700 uniformed officers and a SWAT team, ranking it among the top 5% in the country in terms of size. Its fire department responded to 168 alarms and 44 automobile accidents the year before Hayden arrived. Now do you see why it matters that these people are watching us? This is a huge industrial monster that feeds the military with signals and information, and that military is always looking for its next target. These people operate out of a secret frickin' city with its own police department, its own post office, its own fire department. Yeah, yep, but you know what? Like your dad says, if it helps keep you safe... Then does it really matter? You know what's funny is, uh, so uh, Ben in the chat room is talking about Echelon. This is one of the earlier controversies. This is what is a little disturbing. Is So turns out FISA, FISA came from, the the end result was, it was inspired by a series of the, 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 uh, the church hearings. Uh, the church commission was a commission that very early on looked into NSA spying. And their recommendations was the, was the creation of the FISA court. So the whole reason we have a FISA court was because the NSA was caught spying on U.S. citizens and then they made it uh, illegal. We have a, uh, a timeline from the EFF in the show notes. You can see like around 1975 or so it comes out. Boom, these guys have been spying on U.S. citizens. And then we start to actually make laws around it. So that was actually the genesis of some of the protections we have now is they were originally caught. But you might remember something a little more recent called Echelon. You remember Echelon? I do. So uh, when Echelon was discovered, it was, oh, man, the NSA is watching our emails. They're checking our web traffic. What we ought to do, what we ought to do to really stick it to the NSA is we ought to jam their filters, just like we're talking about the now. The worry about Echelon became so great among a number of privacy and civil liberties groups that several organizations got together and created Jam Echelon Day. 
where the public was invited to flood phone lines and the Internet with words likely to trigger the NSA's surveillance system. Among the words were CIA, NSA, assault rifle, bomb, assassinate, Mossad, and even George Bush. <laughs> so you see, we've kind of been doing it, it's sort of history just repeating itself right now. They've been caught, and now we're going to manufacture this filter jam. I mean, have you heard of people talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that honestly, you know, it makes you want to crawl back in your hole at times and just like, well, I'm just going to crawl back into my hole. My, I, I can't fight these guys. Well, what yeah. can I do? Be informed. And know what's going on and then vote yeah, accordingly. But I, yeah, and I vote accordingly, but everybody's corrupted. Well, I mean, unfortunately, it's a slow process. It's not, it's, this is, this, our burden as our generation is discovering these But the wrongs. sad thing is we're in the minority here, Chris. No, no. no Are no. we? We're just, not really, not anymore. I, it, first of all, it's less of a minority than you think it is. It really is. Okay. It's, it's, you're, you're, you're led to believe it's a minority based on the narrative that's out there, first of all. Second of all, it's spreading. Third of all, it's just not going to happen as fast as we want it to. It's going to take a generation. Right. And we are at we are on the wave of that generation. And I, right. I don't when I say I don't mean age necessarily. I just mean it's going to take about a generation's worth of time for all all of this shit to get worked out. Well, with the way the technology is moving and the speed that it's moving. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where we we have to catch up and be ready. Because when you're ready to grab the reins, you got to be ready. Well, unlike unlike in past times when this has happened, people who are tech savvy are in a better position to protect themselves than they have been before. Like this, this particular type of attack is something that we are actually well armed against. Um, and I, I highly, highly, highly recommend that uh, Shadow Factory book. We'll have a link in the show notes, and it'll also be an affiliate link, so if you grab it, you'll support the show. And it's on Audible, too, which is great. It, that was obviously yeah. where I got those clips yeah. from. Great book on Audible, great narrator, very interesting. It is from 2008, but it, it puts so much stuff into perspective. Um, and uh, it's maybe even more interesting now in light of all of the recent events. Chase, I do have one thing I want to cover just as a point of responsibility for the show. Yes, sir. Syria is blowing up. And I think we're going to be talking more about it soon. CBS is finally talking about something that you and I have mentioned for quite a while. We oh. learned today that the CIA is involved in the Syrian civil war. The vicious conflict began more than two years ago when rebels rose up against the dictatorship of Bashir al-Assad. More than 90,000 people have been killed and more than a million have been forced from their homes. Last week, the Obama administration said it would start arming the rebels, but David Martin has found that U.S. assistance started long ago. David, what do you know? What do you know? Scott, since late last year, the CIA has been training Syrian rebels at secret bases in Turkey and Jordan. The training has included the use of anti-tank and anti-aircraft weapons, which have been provided by Arab countries and which the rebels say they badly need in order to counter the firepower of the Syrian army. But so far, you'd have to say that the training hasn't succeeded since in the past several weeks, the tide of battle has turned in favor of the government forces. Oh. David Martin at the huh. Pentagon. David, thank you very much. So all this crap about Syria, we're already in there. We're already in there. Um, we're just going to get in there even even more directly now. Right. But yeah. we'll be covered. It's Chase, before we get out yes, of here, I sir. think we should uh, probably get to some feedback. Yes, yeah, so we got an email that came in from Jay, the letter J. Just the letter. Could be Agent J. We don't know. It might be. Um, and wrote in the following. This is the propaganda state. I just felt the need to email in. 
I don't mind if you read this on the show as I question myself as to whether I sound too much of a crackpot occasionally. <laughs> Does he need me to fry him some bacon? Yeah, no kidding. But the arguments which have struck me for over the years that are that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What I mean by this is whenever some entity has a monopoly on force and coercion, uh, they will do anything in their power to keep those privileges. Step in the latest hero, Edward Snowden, and his plethora of top-secret leaks detailing just how deep the rabbit hole really may go. He is not the first, Julian Assange, Bradley Matting, etc., nor will he be the last. But these brave souls' efforts seem to go nowhere. Why? Because people are trained not to question. People are trained to be given the answer and repeat that answer to other people. The propaganda state has been around for a lot longer than any surveillance state, and it works. Children are being institutionalized earlier and earlier, being in daycare, and then in government schools, high schools, and then universities. Propagandized, initialized to a certain hierarchy and method of obtaining information all the way through. It's, it is of any wonder barely any grown adult can think for themselves beyond their own box. I have no idea if there is a solution to this, but I think if I ever have a child, they will never see a government school. Uh, they will be raised peacefully with their curiosity and sense of skepticism well and truly attached. Thanks for the great work, guys. Assuming I get the new job I'm aiming for, I may be able to subscribe soon enough. Regards, Jay. Thanks, Jay. I I probably would have been like Bilbo years ago, been like, uh, in the chat room. But I'll tell you, it was I did have a creepy moment that did kind of make me think about this, at least. Um, so, you know my kids, right? Yeah. And my daughter, she does, she talks, but, you know. Yeah. If, like, you know her, you know what she's saying, but she's, you know, not very mm-hmm. good at it. Yeah, well, she's learning. She's learning. Yeah. So they were at daycare. Yeah. And... Within a couple of weeks, they had trained her and both her and my son the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay. <clears throat> I just thought it was so. One day, we were in conversation, like Angie and I, and we were just talking, and it was something about a flag, something about the uh, something about the flag came up in the conversation. Okay. The kids start going, "I pledge allegiance," right there at the table. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. What? It was weird, right? They just yeah. start giving the pledge. They were doing the pledge at daycare. Now, they never told us they were doing that. I don't really have a... It is weird, though. And if you think about the Pledge of Allegiance, it's kind of a weird thing to begin with that all of these children in the classroom stand up and, you know, salute a flag and say, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. How does the rest of it go, Chase? To the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, under indivisible, God indivisible, with liberty, with liberty and, and justice, justice for, for all. all. That's it. Oh, I thought there was more. No. no, that's it. And justice for all. It's pretty quick. And you justice know, nice. for all. It's nice. It's snappy. Yeah, it's snappy. It's you good. put your hand over your heart. Yeah, exactly. That's the solution. And you and you, f- and you feel good. It's the best kind of propaganda, though. It's it's short. It's snappy, and it, it's a feel goody. Yeah, justice for all, heart over the hand. Um, I don't know. I just thought that because it 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 does sort of like it gives them you know what. So what is the United States of America? You know, it just kind of you know it's an liberty. Framework. It's about liberty. Yeah, and justice for all. But you know, it's all about critical thinking. Yes. All right, we have one more email to get to. Yeah, Carl read. writes in uh, with a description of following up on health coverage. Uh, Chris and Chase, I admit that I don't listen to Unfilter very often, but I am a regular TechSnap and Linux Action Show listener who really appreciates the unique content on Jupiter Broadcasting. I decided to listen to Unfilter 55 because of my interest in the Edward Snowden case. Ah. I listened to the NSA 702 hearings live and generally agree with your assessment of them. Well, this is our kind of guy because I was too. This This is our perfect audience member. If somebody's watching these hearings, they need to be listening to this show. 
However, yeah, I know, yeah. something else <laughs> caught my attention near the end of the show. The feedback mentioning the lack of government-subsidized health care in the U.S. The feedback it, it itself doesn't particularly surprise me. It's a common complaint leveled against us more by socialist countries, particularly those in Europe. What did surprise me was that both of you actually agreed with the sentiment. Not only it's blatantly unconstitutional for the United States federal government to provide health care, but that same service has been slowly bankrupting the nations whose citizens claim it is an advantage. Not only is socialized health care costly, but the quality of service is most often actually worse. Believe it or not, we have unfortunately shared some of this problem in the U.S. for quite some time, with much of the same effect as abroad. I'm obviously not trying to claim that uh, our somewhat capitalist healthcare system is perfect, even before the current administration's healthcare debacle. But the way to fix it is with less government, not more. We absolutely should not be trying to emulate Europe in this regard. I hope that you will both read my sources and consider my point. Sincerely, Carl. And, and by the way, through that uh, email, he uh, did cite sources from uh, many different places. Did we uh, come down very strongly one way or the other? No, no, but you know when I, I don't when, really, uh, when I said you know I think there should be a single payer system. Oh I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> and it's one of those situations yeah, right. where the system is very broken right now. When you have uh, rising healthcare costs, especially in the private sector, like, like he says, government should stay out. But doesn't getting the cost of healthcare and prescription drugs under control seem like somewhere where the government has to step in? Because it doesn't seem like the free market is sorting that out at all. It's just getting well, worse. Well, it isn't. It isn't because right now that some of these uh, these healthcare companies, well, of course, they're able to. They're able to the they kind of monopolize that. Yeah, well, they don't have any competition, and they essentially have government. And then they can shut down, say, for example, pre-existing conditions. Uh, you know, uh, let's say, for example, you you unfortunately say get cancer, or you this get some. This is such a horrible thing condition. that it's so broken like this, and it's it comes down to keeping people healthy. And the worst thing about it, and this is what is always so freaking frustrating. Is if if we could solve this, then people would be healthier, and so many other aspects of our of our community would be improved. People people but, but, people would not but, but, be but so expensive the, on the system. There would be less burden. I mean, people Chris, could. It goes back to the inherent problem, and the inherent problem is more people are concerned about, and they're they're selfish. They're more concerned about their personal well being as far as money and raising families and and and, and worrying about if their team's going to make it to the World Series. They don't care about I guess, everybody else. Here's my thought. Shareholders. Here's my or question: whatever. Is because the government has already gotten involved to the point that the system has gotten so broken, if they were to retract and say, "Let the market," you know, if they're to pull a Ron Paul and say, "Let the market decide," I'm pulling out. We're going constitutional on this bitch. What would happen? Right. I. I. I as much as as much as I would love to kind of see that, I also think. We could just be in a much worse position because they would just say, well, we have precedent of price. And so they'll just go off of that and then just continue to raise the price upwards. So I don't I just don't know what the answer is, but I think I mean, it's a but, great conversation. But, but in the end game, who ends up paying is is, is us. It's uh, it comes out of our paychecks as a, a higher premium. It comes into it's expensive more. enough that when I have legitimate it's, it's health, a cascade. <clears throat> I have cascade legitimate effect. health problems that I don't go to the doctor for because I have to pay for it out of pocket. Right. Well, it's a cascading effect because what happens is eventually when it comes down to it, everything becomes more expensive. Everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then people can buy less. So then people spend less in the economy. So then the overall economy. And then suffers. everything stalls. So you get you get you get a drain right. on the economy from yeah. the direct spending and from also then the subsidies that have to be spent on it's it's nuts. It's a mess. It is. It's a mess. It is indeed. Boy, that wasn't very positive. 
No. No, it's not. I said this was the hangover episode. That's true. From the from the three. Set. I'm feeling a little sick in the stomach anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I, I feel I feel like some people are probably getting a little done with this story, but I just feel like this is such a. But this, no, this is this, this is, is one is of the stories story. of our time. This is one of the stories this the show was created. Of, of reason I mean, why. we suspected we were you and I saw that you and I knew about these NSA other NSA whistleblowers for years. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that. Yeah. we've talked about it before. This is one of the reasons we created the show. Was now, because we knew this stuff was out there. And now, in a couple of weeks, it. you know, as I made a Red Book prediction and you put it on Google+, Plus, I want to come back and revisit right, because right. what's going to happen in my fear is it's it's not it, – no one's going to – that graph is going to drop. It's, you know – That's just my fear. I think it's going to drop. My prediction is it doesn't drop to zero. It stays at least higher than it was before, and that is at least a victory. That yeah. is, that's at we'll, least a victory. We'll, we'll see. And you, know what really, you know what really grinds my gears? That's all I had. Oh, okay. Very. Yeah, nice. I was just say that's a victory. Uh, I mean, even if it's just even if it's just a minor increase in the awareness and more people questioning and more people thinking critically. Well, then it, it, I like I said, I'll believe just, it when the, pro- when the proof's in the pudding. I'll believe it when I see it. It's one of those things. One of those things. We want to let everybody know we do have an awesome community over there on our subreddit at unfilterthatreddit.com. Every single show, I always come back here and I revisit. Our, How are we doing? Reader How are we doing? It's it's growing exponentially. Is that why you're smacking your mic? I'm smacking it around. <laughs> I'm smacking the prism mic. We have 485 readers as of this recording. Boom. And I want to uh, set a goal. I like setting goals. My next goal is 500. I want to see if we can make it to 500 by the next that, episode. That subreddit has been a particularly great place these last few weeks. When big stories break, that subreddit really shines. There's been even more yes. details of what we covered. If if you don't get to, get to take advantage of the supporters show, at least do yourself a favor. And even if you don't have an account on Reddit, go check out unfiltered.reddit.com. Great extra links in there. But Chase, yes, sir. sometimes I just want to catch up on you. I want to see what you're up to. I know that maybe you got a site I can go look at. Maybe you got a LinkedIn profile. Maybe you got a Twitter. What can you? What can I do? What can I, 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 I do? You know, I made a one-stop shop. Boom! Boom! You know, it's like, it's really easy to get to. ChaseNunes.com. C-H-A-S-E-N-U-N-E-S. The only thing I don't have on here is my Google Plus profile because it's not on this particular template. Uh, but yes, ChaseNunes.com. None of that matters chase twitter.com slash chris elias that's the Fine. only thing people need to know about that's wisdom in 140 characters that's easy kapow easy although i do have a minecraft itch oh you do where, where can i find out more about like maybe minecraft maybe uh, geek and gaming news pinball on occasion how about geekgamer.tv <laughs> that might be right up your alley okay i'm starting to get into more video game streaming oh, as well maybe i'll check that we out we had a great show on sunday talking about the xbox doing the a xbox? complete 180 the xbox one 180 180 get it i get it yes very nice Yes. All right, Mr. Chase. Well, don't forget that uh, Unfilter is live. Don't you forget on it's Wednesdays. It's live? 6.30. You show up around 6 over at jblive.tv. I show up around 5. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you're a supporter, go check your inbox. We've got a great supporter show for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Unfilter. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.